Hello everybody and welcome to the Memory Machine Midwest Gaming Classic 2018 Extravaganza. My buddy and I, Seselinski, went to this year's Midwest Gaming Classic up in Milwaukee and we are here to tell you all about it. First up, of course, we have, um, we, we, I actually took a little road trip diary for, for us going up from, well, we stopped over here, anyway, we'll tell you all about it, but yeah, we, I, I did have a little road trip diary for us, getting excited about the show coming up, as well as stuff we did in Chicago while we were out and about there. I got some great interviews from authors and programmers that I'm very excited, very excited to show you, and of course, at the very end, we have a wrap-up that Seth and I recorded, uh, just saying our general thoughts on the show, what we liked, some things maybe we didn't like, our, our pickups, uh, people we got to meet, all that kind of fun stuff. So I'm here right now just uh, sipping on an old Milwaukee because that's the kind of mood I'm in, and I hope you're in that kind of mood too. So here it goes. Kicking, kicking things off is the, the little road trip diary entry I, I did with, with me and Seth. So here we go. Hey everybody, this is uh, hello, Nate. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, there's uh, Seth. This is Seth. We are on our way to Milwaukee for the Midwest for this year's uh, Midwest Gaming Classic. That's right. That's right. Yep, we are still in Illinois, but we're going up. We're very close to to uh, to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. We were going to record a little bit last night on our way because we well, what we did is we we left right after Seth got out of work from Buffalo and. Uh, you know, it's um, thrilling stories. Hey, yeah, thank you. It, it, it wasn't really powerful it was, stuff. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> see, well, see, the thing is, it wasn't much to, to, to add. You know. Yes. Yeah. So what? Like, we just drove a bunch, and then we ate Wendy's. Yeah. We didn't see or do anything interesting. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so yeah. So uh, well, so, well. So today was a day we did interesting well, stuff. Well, we did. We, yeah, we had a long night of driving. Although we yeah. did get uh, some pie factory in, which was we good. We did. We did. Listen to some pie factory on the way. That was good. So that was great. I enjoyed that. And yeah, got in late last night. Stayed at uh, Nate's in-laws' place. Very nice of them. And uh, they they themselves are heading back to Buffalo uh, as we speak. So yep. we kind of just swapped places there. Yeah, that's weird. And then we kind of spent the day bumming around north side of Chicago, going to some different shops, some different stores and stuff. Um, we had a little bit of time to kill at first because we had to leave, you know, their house really early in the morning because they were catching a flight. Yeah. But well, they weren't catching a flight. They just wanted to leave. They just wanted to get on the road early. Oh, they're driving. Okay. They're driving. So 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 we had, we had to leave the house early. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, but we. Time to get- yeah, we, we found some, some cool stores. We, uh, uh, I don't know what the street was that we were pretty much Milwaukee. Uh, focused on. It. Oh, yeah, okay. Milwaukee. Yeah. It's, it's sort of north side of the city of Chicago. Yeah, but we went to, uh, we stumbled upon some cool places like uh, The Exchange, uh, Brick and Brack Records. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what were the other places? Um, oh, Reckless Records, which Reckless you've been Records. to before. Yeah. And so yeah, we, we, we got to see a lot of cool stores and stuff like that. We also, we totally stumbled upon this one really cool coffee shop that was like retro 80s and video game themed. Yeah. called uh, the Worm, Wormhole Coffee. Yeah. That place was super cool. Uh, they, we only popped in and out, but... They, like to, they, they, they had a console TV with an NES top loader hooked up to it for people to just sit and play while they drank coffee. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. They had Tetris 2 plugged in at the time. Yeah. We just need to see that, you know, uh, they had to have a place like that to hang out. But it did uh, tell us about uh, 
the, the cool stuff you picked up. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm saving most of the purchases for the. Oh yeah. For, for sure. For the classic. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, a couple things at uh, Reckless Records, a great record store. They had uh, a cool uh, section of DVDs and Blu-rays and everything. And I found a DVD copy of Monsters Crash the Pajama Party, which... Courtesy um, of Something Weird Videos. Yes, yeah. and who, I mean, a lot of people, if they know about that, probably know about it because of James Rolfe. He covered that on Monster Madness uh, a number of years back. And it's just this really, like, it's a collection of just like weird like Halloween home movies and stuff. Yeah, and, like spook show ephemera. Yeah, old yeah. yeah, old radio ads for spook shows and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. And it had the stuff with I had I know it came with 3D like cardboard 3D glasses and uh, and so it came with that and it was complete and it was pretty cheap. So uh, that was really cool. What'd you, what'd you pick up there at Reckless? I got a copy of The Wild World of Batwoman. Oh, yeah. For Mystery. Uh, the Mystery Science Theater version. Right. There's no way I'm watching that. There's no way I'm going to watch that on its own. Yeah. But. Uh, so, yeah, that was cool. And then oh, we, you can just go through the iPass. So you can just keep going straight. And it'll just register it. Okay. Yeah, don't worry about um, it. And then at, uh, so, Rick and Brack... Stay on yeah. I-94. Yeah, just stay here. You're good. Uh, so, Rick and Brack, Records, Collectible Shop, they, um, we got a couple things there, but... Yeah, Man, that's annoying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Rick and Brack Records and Collectible Shop, uh, we, we found a couple of things there, the first, the first of which was a delightful little in-house corgi. Yes! A Welsh corgi... <laughs> A Welsh Pembroke Corgi that uh, was kind of we, um, me, you know, I, me and my wife totally love dogs and especially corgis. And this was just like a, you know, classic tan, you know, fluffy, stubby corgi. And uh, it came out to like see everybody, but then it, like, yeah. went out, it retreated behind the counter, and it usually it was there. It went back it, to its hidey hole. It was there most of the time, but uh, his name is Dandelo. Yeah, it's a cute little dog. Yeah, but they, they, they had some cool stuff there. That store was really cool. Uh, Simpsons arcade machine. Yeah, they had yeah. a lot of uh, cool like eighties uh, uh, and 90s, mostly like nineties uh, toys and stuff. But the, the outside of their shop is covered with like, Batman Return stuff. They had a complete ga- cra- Castle Grayskull in the Castle box. Castle Grayskull and yeah. Snake. Uh, was it Snake Mountain? Snake um, Mountain. Yeah. yeah, whatever it's called. The, the thing with the big snake face and she, on it. She-Ra, like the, the right. castle from that as well. Right. And, uh, yeah, a lot of different stuff. I picked up only one thing, which I just happened to see by chance. The guy was, like, putting stuff away, and he had this uh, Rocketeer puzzle from the 90s. Yeah. He, he seemed really confused that I was interested in it. <laughs> but I'm like, I just have to get... Whenever I see Rocketeer stuff, I just kind of kind of collect it, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got that for a few bucks. And what'd you get? I picked up. Well, they, they had a they had a really decent VHS set uh, oh, section. Oh, stop the presses! We're passing Walgreens corporate headquarters. What? Wow! All right, go on. Uh, anyway, so yeah, they had a decent uh, VHS section, which with some cool stuff. Like, I saw like flesh eaters from outer space and mm-hmm. big box VH horror VHS and stuff like that. But I found a copy of the Quatermass Experiment for a couple bucks, which yeah. I thought was worth it. It's kind of it was. Uh, British 50s sci-fi. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Uh, a l- little bit headier than your normal American 50s sci-fi at the time. So I found that. That was pretty cool. It was a fun purchase. And then I also found... So here we go. So lately, my son has been really into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I've heard of them. And you might have heard of them. I've heard of and them. 
there was one time, I was kind of, we were, I was hanging out with Teddy, me, me and him, uh, I was watching him, and I had my phone going, and uh, I just thought, hey, it'd be cool to show him some old, some of those old toy commercials on YouTube, you know, show him some old Ninja Turtle commercials on YouTube, yeah. and uh, he became enamored of them and it was like at every new thing that popped was like I want that I want that oh, oh that's so cool I want that so but they had at this bric-a-brac store they had a bunch of those old 90s Ninja Turtles toys a late 80s Ninja Turtles toys uh, including Slash which happens to be one of his favorites at the moment so I was able to pick up for my son a three-year-old my, my three-year-old son a flash as a slash figure with all this, with all of his weapons, and yeah. I'm going to be the hero of the day. Father of the year. Father of the year. It's me. Uh, yeah, that's he's really cool love find. It. Yeah, they had yeah. A, a whole cabinet full of uh, a lot, a lot of old turtle stuff specifically. Yeah. So that, but that was a really cool find. Yeah. It's in great shape. Yeah, it was a great shape. It was. It wasn't too expensive either. I mean, just for finding it, you know, it, for a collectible shop, it, it didn't, it didn't feel overpriced. It was just like sixty yeah. bucks, yeah. which is, you know. Probably what you would pay for an action figure new nowadays, anyways. Yeah. So, and, I'll uh, take it. And we uh, ate at this really cool place. Uh, yeah, we did. Reno, right? Reno. Yeah. yeah. That was a really nice, uh, great service there, and uh, really good and pretty affordable food. Yeah, I had a delicious soup, minestrone. And, uh, oh, really? Was uh, it minestrone? Did you get like pasta salad, too? And pasta salad. Oh, sounds like a great... Oh, yeah. uh, where did you ever have <laughs> gotten the idea for that... For that? Two course bonanza from. Uh, I may have copied sets. You son of a. Yeah, yeah I know, he right? did. I did. I did do that. He plagiarized my meal. But Although I did not get the cream in my coffee. You chose to get the cream in your coffee. Wow, okay, you sound like vanilla ice. So, like, no, no, mine goes ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't copy it under pressure. So, yeah. uh, so, so uh, that, that brings us to where we are now. Cool as ice over here. Yes. Going, going, yeah, here going we up to Milwaukee. We, we were having a little chat, and I thought it'd be good to bring it up again while we were, while we were eating. What arcade machine? Because tonight uh, is sort of the big arcade bash. You know, there's not going to be the vendors. Are, the vendors are going to be open tonight. There's going to be a lot of arcade games to, to play. So, so right. that part of yeah, it's going to be Friday night. It's the VIP like early access night yeah so yeah we get access yeah, everything but the vendors uh, right. so yeah the, you're saying the arcade area is going to be a big thing and for me uh, some stuff I saw last year I'd love to see again you know my some of my mainstays like uh, Star Wars Trilogy Arcade and uh, the Arkanoid Cabinet and uh, you know I, I played the Tron Machine for the first time last year that would be great to see again other than that I'm always hoping to see a Spy Hunter cabinet because you know playing Spy Hunter the arcade version is just you know it's just that that unique control scheme is just the best way to play that yeah. challenge particularly challenging game for sure and um, I don't know if they would have stuff uh, like uh, like time crisis any light gun shoot I know they had police, oh, you never know. They had police trainer last year which sure. was like a, a, a late 90s light gun game I used to play a lot yeah. but in general I used to play a lot of those games and I would love to uh, see that in the arcade so that's a f I, I'll definitely be looking for. What about you? Um, I would love to play Wizard of War. There's a lot of two-player oh, yeah, arcade yeah, games. Oh, yeah, yeah. We played that yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah. We, we did play that last year. I, I would love to just hit up a bunch of great two-player arcade games, including Wizard of War. Uh, Gunfight is another really fun two-player arcade game. Hat Trick is one of the arcade version is one of my favorite hockey games because it's just so simple. It's, you know, point and shoot. Yeah. And it's really fun. I, I really enjoy it. There's another two-player... Oh, Space War. 
if for yeah. whatever chance we get run across uh, an arcade Cinematronic Space War is a really fun two player game uh, what's great about that one is you just kind of pay for the amount of time you want to play so you're just like okay whoever wins the most in, yeah. in uh, this 30 in three minutes wins you know uh-huh. and uh, that's that's a really fun one um, that and I would really love to see the Aztec pinball machine. Williams Aztec. That's one of your mainstays. I adore that. That is my goal one day when I become uh, stupid rich. I will buy myself an Aztec machine and I will be a very happy boy. Well, you're halfway to stupid rich. I am. Oh, can it wait? Can I Jimmy G laugh that in? Please, please. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. All oh, right. we! I hope we see those guys. Uh, I really, yeah. I really, I would love to run into those guys. That's gonna I'm be sure fun. we will. At some point. Yeah, they'll, sure be in the, we'll they'll be in the vendor hall. I guess that's where they're yeah. where they're stationed this year. So. Yeah, we'll go. Uh, we'll go bug them there. Yes. But uh, anyway, so we're gonna keep on driving. Hopefully, we uh, they don't uh, this dumb map thing doesn't chime in while we're trying to close out on this. But anyway, so we'll uh, update later on. I don't know. We, we may get some stuff during the arc this the show tonight. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit. Uh, I'm feeling not because I just want to play games. Probably we'll, we'll probably just ease it in, just take our time yeah. with it. We got we, it's a long weekend. We got time to yeah, yeah for it. So we'll we'll so. catch up with everybody later in the weekend. Until then, just wait because we'll probably edit yeah. the second part of this in a few seconds. So oh, for sure, yep, yep, Yay. yep. For you, and, you know, to uh, to you, a thousand years is like a day. Yeah. <laughs> Scripture quote? Beautiful. <laughs> anyway, Thank all you. right. Anyway, uh, see you later. Bye. So these first two interviews we're going to be going into are from the indie uh, gaming section at the Midwest Gaming Classic. Yeah, I, I, there, there were two games that really impressed me when I saw them. There were others, but uh, gee whiz, I, it was just such a whirlwind of a trip. But these two really stood out to me. One is uh, The Day We Fought Space, which is a really fun shoot 'em up game translated very well to the iPad and uh, the, the, the control schemes available for that uh, for, for that platform. The other one is for a party game called Bomb Sorters, which is, uh, I, I believe I described it in the interview as Smash Brothers meets Bomberman. It's a lot of fun. I really encourage you to check them out. But anyway, here are the interviews for that. Hi, everybody. I just did some exploring around in the indie section of uh, the Midwest Gaming Classic here, and I am talking with... Uh, Kathy Kimport from Tersiops Truncatus Studios. And tell us uh, what you brought. I brought a game here. called The Day We Fought Space. It's kind of a wreck 'em up uh, shoot 'em up yeah. with chain reaction physics, train crashes in space, yeah. all that kind of good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I, I got to play a little bit of it, and it's yeah. a really uh, intuitive control scheme for the iPad. I was very impressed Thanks. by, by Thanks. that. Can, can you tell us a little bit about how the, how the controls work for, for this yeah. game and, and how you, and how you uh, work to bring the shoot 'em up to an iP- to the tablet uh, mobile format? Yeah, so how this works, it's a two-handed control scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got one hand on the left for navigation, one hand on the right, two fingers so you can shape your shots, pitch them upwards, downwards, focus your shots on a single enemy, spread them out to just spray bullets over the entire screen Um, we came up with the idea um, it was playing some 
arcade ports on the iPad, like old classics, <laughs> R-Type, yeah. and just noticed how well bullet hell genre translates to touch controls because mm. it's you you're not fighting against joystick controls to dodge bullets so that yeah. got me thinking how could i build something from the ground up for a touch screen what's something mm. i can do with a touch screen that would be really hard to do on a gamepad and yeah. that's how i came up with this kind of aperture yeah. shooting yeah. mechanism it, it works really well Thanks. Uh, it's, very, it, it's a lot <laughs> of fun to be able to to you kind of get into it. It kind of reminds me of sort of when you play Robotron. You ever yes. played Robotron? And when yes. you kind of get into a Zen level of you're just like when you when you're moving both hands right. in, in that right. kind of a way, it, it's it's really fun. Now, there's other ships that you have in the game too that you can like double tap on the screen yes. and things like yeah. that. So, so where where did you get off with like creatively like that? Where you're like, oh, what if you did this and what if you did that? Like, I took uh, I played a lot of Ratchet and Clank in my life. Oh, you did. Okay. So that was. Kind of where I wanted to go with this was just get a whole slew of zany weaponry, mm -hmm. stuff that's fun to play with. Since we've got the physics engine running underneath, that opened up a whole lot of possibilities for wrecking balls and plasma whips and jets of streams of liquid acid that splash off of ships. Um, it's It's been a lot of just me playing around, seeing what sticks, what's actually yeah. fun. How long has it been in development for? Oh, uh, longer than I care to admit. <laughs> I think we started 2012. Okay. Um, it's The story of development is almost two separate games. Our original game that we got most of the way done with and then realized we were making the wrong game. So we... we um, there's one one enemy that you probably encountered that has their little teeny guys lifting stones up, yes. and you shoot a few of them, and it makes this cascade. Yeah. Um, we programmed that in, and we're like, okay, this is the most fun by far we've had with this game. <laughs> we need to see what we need to take this path. Yeah. Like we can be almost done with a Mac game that's going to get ignored, but we decided to take the. Yeah, let's actually pursue something good. Let's yeah, let's, right. Let, let's not just barf something out here. Let's right. Really, <laughs> let's really focus on this because this yeah. works. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when you hear people, documentarians, talk about like, well, we came out here for this story, but then we realized this other story was actually yeah. more interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's great. And for people who are listening, saying, well, six years development. Uh, you try to build a game in your own spare time, and right, uh, it, right. Is, uh, it takes forever. Yeah, <laughs> I've tried a little bit myself, just uh, just programming offhand, you know, like mm -hmm. dinking around in C plus plus and all that, and, and it's uh, never ceases to amaze amaze me to see what people can do with yeah, what, with, with enough with, time with and enough, yeah, and stubbornness, and, yeah, <laughs> just, and just a mind that can think that way, and yeah, Thanks. it's it's great. So thank you very much for uh, talking to me. Yeah, and thanks check for out having where me. can we find your game? Um, if you visit our website at tersiops.cc, that's T-U-R-S-I-O-P-S dot C-C. Mm -hmm. Also, if you just, um, on Facebook or Twitter, the hashtag Fight Space, mm -hmm. that'll get you to our social media posts. Probably easier than spelling our company name. Oh, sure. So... Yeah, and and the, the name of the game again is they came from the, the day we fought the day space. We fought space. The day we fought space. So check that out. Uh, thanks again for uh, being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Just checking out a little more of the indie room here at the Midwest Gaming Classic. I am talking to 
Ross Gutke. And what do you do? What, what, what is your game? Tell, tell us about yeah. it. So um, I'm working with three people on a game called Bomb Sorters. Um, it's a coach multiplayer uh, platformer game, kind of a brawler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to mess around a little bit. It's, uh, it's quite fun. It's sort of... I'm trying to think. How, how would you describe it? If you're going to, to describe it to someone, you know, you say, "Think of X game and X game mixed together." Okay. Okay. I I, I don't really know how. I don't, maybe Smash Brothers, a little Smash Brothers. Yeah, in definitely there. some Smash Brothers influence. Yeah, uh, imagine maybe a mix between Smash Brothers and Bomberman. Okay, Bomberman. Of. Yeah, does that sound I'm, right? Does yeah, that, I, I think so. Better? Yeah, I really yeah. wanted that kind of fast-paced, competitive multiplayer. Yeah. Um, N plus plus. If anyone's yes. familiar. With. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love the, that a lot of the wall jumping is yep. very similar to that. Yep. So what it is uh, uh, is there's it's sort of a platforming arena level, and you have uh, up to four players uh, yep. knocking around trying to blow each other up with with bombs that you hit with swords yep. into their direction. Yeah, the title is incredibly on the nose. Yes, it is. Yeah. Bomb Sorters. <laughs> Boy, howdy, does it feature both. Um, so, so tell us about the development of it. Like, what, what, what was your inspiration? What, wanted, what, what made you want to get into this? Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, right about a year ago, uh, mm-hmm. I discovered a um, Milltown Game Dev, which is a, a meetup Mm-hmm. Uh, in the area, and I, I kind of wanted to show here, something. Here in Milwaukee? Yeah, in Milwaukee, okay, yeah. yeah, run by uh, Joe Bunda. Okay. And uh, I kind of wanted to show something, kind of as my intro to mm-hmm. the, the group. So I, uh, I had a little two-day prototype, mm-hmm. and I showed that off, and uh, there I met Dan, um, who's one of the other devs here, and mm-hmm. he wanted to do, kind of make it into a full-release game. So okay. basically, we, we took this game, which used to be extremely simple. You'd grab dynamite and just chase people. Okay. And over <laughs> that also sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and in over a year, it, it's become something completely different. But uh-huh. we're re- really excited about it. Yeah. Can you tell us about uh, the other people you're working with? Okay. So there's uh, Dan, who's doing uh, AI programming, which mm-hmm. is incredibly difficult, but he's doing a good yes. job. Yes. Um, and he's doing some level design and the business side. Okay. And then we have Ray, who's doing uh, music, and I, I'd have to say he's kind of moved into like a uh, advisor role too. Really mm. good feedback. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Incredibly helpful. Yeah. That's great. Uh, what platforms are you looking to release your game on? So we're aiming for quarter four on uh, Steam, so PC, okay. Mac. And then a surprising number of people are talking about Linux right now. Yeah, so Linux. I think I'm going I to do Linux. Linux. Yeah. You're going to make it so it can run on a Raspberry Pi? We'll see. A, a, it might yeah. be able to. It yeah. might be able to. I, and then uh, Xbox One after that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see where we are. Really hoping for PS4 mm-hmm. and Switch. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so it's Switch being a little uh, harder to get onto, it seems. That's well, Nintendo true. Nintendo in yeah. general yeah. seems to be a little yeah. a little more of a gatekeeper, for better or for worse. I think so. Um, well, that's great. Uh, th- thank you for talking with me. And, yeah. and where can we find your game and, and everything about it? So it's uh, anticrunchstudios.com or on okay. Twitter at anticrunch. Okay. And I encourage you all to uh, check it out. I played it for about uh, 15 minutes, and it's a blast and a half. So <laughs> thank you. I'm going to get. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get my brother Peter to, to get it, and uh, maybe Seth. Awesome, guys! If you're listening, buy it. We're going to play it. It's going to be great. I have a lot of beers. It'll be fun. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you again for uh, joining me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. These next two interviews are ones that I was very excited to get. It's always fun. One of my favorite things to continue to research and look into are homebrew video games. That is to say, games made for uh, video games made for systems that have since been discontinued that are classic or retro, if you will. Uh, these two in particular were for the NES. They, there's always a room for uh, what is called Nintendo Age, and they always show off uh, new homebrews. 
for 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 the for the Nintendo Entertainment System, which is really really cool to look up. Uh, there was a lot there. Uh, uh, there's one called Twin Dragons. There's one called Eskimo Bob. Uh, there was one that was like a, a a cornhole simulator, if you know what I'm talking about. The 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 bags game people call it. Some people call it bags. I grew up calling it cornhole. Um, all sorts of cool stuff. But but these two interviews were great. One of course was from was from uh, Nathan Tolbert, and the other one was Bo from uh, Soul Goose Games. Anyway, I hope you enjoy them, and please do look this stuff up. You can go to NintendoAge.com. They they have a bunch of Homebrew stuff, nesdev.com for uh, NES homebrews, atariage.com for uh, Atari 2600, 7800, everything kind of homebrews. Vintage is a new old is another fun site to go to for things specifically like Commodore 64 and all that kind of stuff. So please do look it up. Anyway, here are the interviews. Okay, I'm here at the Midwest Gaming Classic talking to... Please introduce yourself. Bo from Soul Goose Productions. Bo from Soul Goose. And what do you do? I make new games for the NES. God the bless you. Nintendo please, Entertainment System. Please tell us all about this. <laughs> well, what, are you, what are you making? What, what sorts of things are, do we got? Uh, I just finished a game called Spookatron. It's sort of like a Robotron-esque game where you, awesome. uh, you know, twin-stick shooter type thing. You take one controller in one hand... Another controller and another, and then you, you know, run around and shoot things. That's awesome. I notice uh, you have it set up over here, and it has a Virtual Boy controller somehow jerry-rigged to work with an NES. Well, yeah. Nintendo, (laughs) they came out with that awesome Virtual Boy that really never took off, and they had this great controller that had two D-pads on it, and so instead of having to hold two controllers, I figured it'd just be easier to make their dual D-pad controller work with the NES. Yeah. That, I mean, that's awesome. I, I played it a little bit with that, and it works really well that way. I see you also have other controller options, too, just in case. I mean, like if you were to buy a copy and... Yeah, so you can always do two NES controllers. Smash TV did that, where yeah. you could, you know, do option B or whatever and turn them mm-hmm. on their sides. And then I also have uh, Super Nintendo to NES controller adapters. Oh, that's awesome. And so you use the diamond for your uh, second D-pad, basically, which well, that, was like yeah. Super Smash TV. Yeah, What's uh, what, what does that entail trying to convert that stuff? Because the NES controller is wired weird it has like a gateway chip right and you have to uh, i don't know maybe it, it, it's, it's not like the atari nine pin joysticks where this wires up this wires down this wires left well it kind of is you ha- you have yeah. data you have latch you have power you have ground right you just actually like so my virtual boy controller is modified to just use an nes cable it goes mm. to all the same places it normally would, and that's it. Wow. How about yeah. that? That's a little easier than I suspected it would. Oh, you know, it seems complicated, and nobody right. had ever done it. Um, so this is sort of the first game that's used it, but it wasn't really difficult. I've been messing around a little bit with, like, making my own ColecoVision controllers and, oh. and stuff like that. Oh. Uh, trying to get around the crappy TI-99 joysticks. Ah, you know? I've heard some things. Oh, yeah. they're bad. They're bad. Yeah. And those can be a little bit more complicated. you got to use diodes and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so. no, none of that. This oh, is just wow. like straight cable How soldering. About that? Yeah. So, so anybody with a, sol- with a modicum of soldering knowledge can go ahead and hack away, and that's awesome. And, of course, you sell them. Should they... Uh, I do. I yeah. I figured that you know people would sort of want them, so I, I bought up a bunch and sell modified ones and that's stuff awesome. like that. 
That's great. So you just have Spookatron out right now. Is there anything else on the? Uh, oh, this going is on? the third game that I've released. I also awesome. released a game called Swords and Runes, which was sort of an RPG for the NES. Uh, it was programmed by another guy. I did some of the publishing and translating because uh, mm-hmm. English was not his first language. And then Ooh. I did a twenty forty eight clone called Zero to X, and mm. yeah, it features music by Memblers. I did some of the programming on that. And awesome. Well, where yeah. can we find this? Uh, your works. Uh, let's see. There's uh, Swords and Runes is still in production, and then Zero Dax. There's a few copies left. You can find them at SoulGooseProductions.com, and then I will also have Spookatron for sale very soon. I hope. Uh, I, I know I've I've been coming here for a few years now to the Midwest Gaming <laughs> Classic, and I always see that one. And I know Arm for Battle took a while to to make. Oh, as well. Arm for Battle is great. Uh, yeah, uh, for those who don't know, Armed for Battle is a real-time strategy game for your Nintendo Entertainment System, which uh, it's incredible. I <laughs> actually, I was the yeah. sort of the lead tester on that oh, project. Really? Yeah, yeah, I dumped just stupid amounts of time into that. It's, yeah. it's an amazing game. I've, I've uh, talked to the guy who made it a little bit, and he showed me some of his um, documents and whatever. And just, just, oh, uh, Frank keeps amazed. meticulous notes. It's, yeah. it's nuts. Uh, when you program your games, do you use uh, assembly or do you do CC sixty five or? Um, I am not a programmer. Mm. I sort of learned all this a few years ago. So yeah, I do everything in assembly. I don't know mm. C or any of that HTML, oh, wow. whatever. Something's yeah. no, it's all sixty five hundred two assembly. Wow, good for you. Uh, for anybody uh, who doesn't know much about programming in that aspect, I encourage you to look up what assembly programming looks like. Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll see it, and all of a sudden you'll have a whole new appreciation for everybody who made your favorite games. Uh, you'd think, but if you don't know any better, it's just sort of, this is it. This is the only way to do it. <laughs> I tried to learn it once when I was in high school. and Ooh, wow. Just uh, I, I got a book from the library on 6502 because I thought, you know, it's a simple machine. <laughs> and uh, I looked at it like LDA, STA, what am I doing? Like, what is oh, this? Oh, <laughs> it's easy, easy stuff. <laughs> well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get the, the bug again. Ah, it's, the shot. it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for talking to me. Shoot, yeah, and, it was good uh, talking to you. I'm going to look out for uh, when Spookatron comes out. Probably yeah, it should be very copy. soon. Yeah, I'll t- uh, try to talk to some of your colleagues around here, too. I know Nathan was around. Yeah, Nathan's yeah. here. We got yeah. Kevbot. Um... Yeah. Memblers is here. He's you know an old timer. He's been doing this for like twenty years, and yeah, yeah. MGC always brings out a good crowd of homebrewers. Uh, it sure so does. We're checking sure out. Here. Well, thank you again. Oh yeah, thank you. Have a good one. Two. Hey everybody, uh, I'm back here with the Nintendo Age online community and homebrew community, and I'm here with uh, Nathan Talbert. And tell me, uh, what do you do? I like to make homebrew games. Um, really, I like to make them for all sorts of different systems. Homebrew games. God so, bless you. Yeah. And uh, what what you, you brought uh, with you your Nintendo stuff. Yes. Right? So uh, today I was showing off. Yeah. yeah, showing off a cartridge that I built with a few small games on it and a work in progress game. I've okay. got kind of a four player party game that you know you get a bunch of friends together and have spaceships shooting each other up. Which called uh, Spacey McRacy. <laughs> <laughs> so. Great. Great. Which uh, that, that that cannot be fun. Oh, Echoes it's a space war. It's yeah. a blast. Yeah. And yeah, then a, a single player game where you're a robot ninja trying to dodge spikes called Robo Ninja Climb. Yeah, I got to play that a little bit. That was really fun. Good. I'm glad I, you enjoyed it. I feel it. like you undersold it to me. You said, ah, oh, it's just a simple game. Like, no, <laughs> no, it's very addictive. I tend to uh, do that. To, I yeah. say, oh, yeah, you can try this game. I don't know <laughs> if, if you're you going to like it. Yeah. yeah, it's no good. It's, it's kind of like me with this podcast. They're just sort of like, well, you know, there's so many podcasts out there. It's That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah like, you want. Look at these great games <laughs> or you can play mine. Yeah, no, I, I'm really uh, impressed with the game. I'm impressed with the way it looks. And Thank you. Like that. Um, 
So, uh, so tell me more about the big game you're working on for the NES. So, uh, yeah, I've, ever since, I don't know, 15 years ago, I've had this dream of taking Blaster Master and Metroid and kind of just yes. smashing them together and see what comes out. And so that, so I um, just started this past year. I did about a year of work on it. Um, yeah. Working with somebody called Franken Graphics. She's an artist out of Sweden. Okay. And so we've got kind of a core engine down, some scrolling, some of the basics of the game. The next two years will be kind of really working out the rest of the details. Yeah. So. It's Great. a long way to go, but do you know what's going to be called yet? Have you decided? We've got a tentative name, maybe Halcyon. Halcyon but is a good name. It's kind of up in the air. We're not sure yet. Sure, so. for sure. And uh, I talked to you a little bit uh, last night. You also have done some Atari Twenty Six Hundred homebrew. Yes. Uh, well, and Game Boy Advance, which is yeah. what the anyway. Please tell us, elucidate us about your Atari Twenty Six Hundred uh, works. Sure. Well, I'll start talking about the Game Boy Advance because yeah, I made sure, this yeah. Zelda-like game start for Game Boy top. Advance yeah. way back in. 2006-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a really fun project. And so recently I was like, I want to try to do that for, for the Atari 2600. You mm-hmm. know, there's not very many Zelda-like games with the primitive system. No. So I sat down and did my best to kind of backport it to the Atari. So that was a really fun project. Yeah. So it's called Anguna. You can go mm-hmm. check it out. It's on Atari Age right now. You can go buy a copy. That's right. And then my other Atari project I've been working on is, you know, like I mentioned a Space Simic Racy, it's always fun with four players, but the Atari yeah. only had the two joystick ports. Right. And so I've been working on a hardware device to do a four-player joystick adapter. Ah. And then making a multi-cart of taking some of the old classic games and making four-player versions. So I have a four-player Joust, four-player Combat. You madman. So that sort of thing <laughs> that... You know, get that's four people great. playing together. So well, that's my other current project. When, when you're making uh, the four-player adapters, how do you make that work? Because there's obviously only nine pins you have to work with. For so the nice thing with the Atari is the pins, you can set them to input or output. So basically uh, I'm using the player two's port as output to tell the device, now I want to read player one, now I want to read player two, and then it reads them all on the player one port. Wow. So, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, it does to me. I mean, I, I don't know if you listen. I, I always like to, I, I hope my listeners aren't bored by this, but I love electronics conversation. Okay, talk. yeah. So, so really I, it's pretty simple because it's that. just a multiplexer being driven off port two. Yes. I, I didn't know that uh, the pins could also output on the yeah, Atari. Yeah, so that makes it really That's easy. fascinating. Yeah. I had no, no wonder, like, the save key and all that kind of stuff works That's so exactly. well. With, yep. Wow. Uh, save key, for those who don't know, is uh, it's like a hard, uh, high score saving and game state saving device for the Atari Yeah, so, and with my game in Guna, if you have the save key, you can save your progress on there as you go. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Because it probably would take a few hours to get through the game the Mm -hmm. first time. Yeah, from the time I I played, I uh, I have an earlier build that that I tooled around with. I haven't checked on it in a little while, uh, until recently, because I was getting ready for, you know, the Midwest Gaming Classic this year, and I was like, hey, this this thing's moved along a lot since I last played it. Yeah, so it's so, complete. It's out there on yeah. Atari Edge. You can buy a cartridge or you can download the ROM from my website, bitethechili.com. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and where can we find your NES? So all my stuff is there on bitethechili.com. Bitethechili.com. So, yeah. Okay, and your Game Boy Advance uh, game so as well. So you can download the ROM there. Right now I don't have, for the Game Boy Advance game, I don't have it available to purchase a cartridge right now. Okay. Um, I was publishing it through a guy, Pico Interactive, and they sold out. Uh, and so yes, Pico Interactive, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully in a few months... We'll be able to get some available again to you. So. All right, great. Well, thanks so much for talking with yeah, me. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate you playing my games and talking about my games. So no thank Take you. It easy. All right, have a good one. Hey, just perusing around the vendor hall here uh, at the Midwest Gaming Classic, and I ran into the man himself, Mr. Leonard Herman. He wrote the book Phoenix, The Rise and Fall of Video Games, which was one of the very first... Was the games. first. One of, it was the first. It was the first. It was the first. Yes. Please, tell us about that. 
1994, I wrote and published Phoenix, The Fall and Rise of Video Games. Yes. Actually, the first one was The Fall and Rise of Home Video Games. Yes. Uh, it was the very first uh, book on video game history ever to be published. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a chronology, started from the beginning, went up to the year 1993, yeah. uh, about video game history. Second edition came out in 1996. That mm -hmm. one included pictures. Yeah. Uh, I dropped the home from the title, so it was uh, Phoenix, the Fall and Rise of Video Games. Yes. 2001, I came out with a third edition, which mm -hmm. covered up to the year 2000. Uh, Ralph Baer, the inventor of video games, wrote the foreword for that. And then I started writing a fourth edition in 2005. It took about 10 years. Yeah. And then finally, at the end of 2016, I released the fourth edition, changed the name. It's called Phoenix 4, the history of the video game industry. And uh, it's the most comprehensive book about video game history ever written. Mm -hmm. uh, there's two editions. There's a color edition and a black and white edition. The black and white edition is 828 pages. The color version runs 868 pages mm -hmm. with over 1,000 photos. Yeah. There was literally no other hit video game history book at that point. Did you receive like any kind of pushback at that time? Like, like what, what was it? Well, what happened? Kind of going through that? What originally started was in the early 80s. Yeah. Well, 1979, I discovered the Atari VCS. Yeah. And since I was always a collector, I wound up buying every cartridge available for that. Sure. And it was getting out of hand. And yeah. so I decided a lot of the games were alike, as you know. Uh, some were crap, some were, and most were crap. But yeah. <laughs> I, I said to myself, there should be a directory around to distinguish one game from another so people know what the games are about. Yeah. So I started writing a book called ABC to the VCS. I remember okay. hearing about that. I started writing that in 1982. Okay. Uh, I started going to a CES to get information about the new games. So that was 83. And yeah. a book like that, you just keep compiling information. There's like yeah. no end to it. Yeah. You know, up to 84, I was still writing it. Yeah. And then the industry crashed in 83 and 84. Mm -hmm. And so my book died with it. I remember in 83, I went to summer CES in 83, and there yeah. were dozens of booths for Atari VCS games. Yes. When I went in winter 84, there was maybe two. Yeah. So I, I knew my All book was gone. dead. Yeah. So uh, then Nintendo became big. And uh, I said, well, maybe I w would write a book about Nintendo. But I just, I wasn't a fan of the NES. I wasn't a fan of Nintendo. I just didn't have the heart to do a book like that. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I do want to write something about video games. Mm -hmm. And I had all these press kits. I have, uh, like, every single magazine that came out. Yeah. Uh, there was no internet then. Like, no. Could, so I had all these research stuff. And there was no book about history. So I said, why don't I write one? I have yeah. the material. So that's how the genesis of Phoenix began. Yeah. And I, my hope was to get it published by uh, 1992, which would have been the 20th anniversary of Pong and the Odyssey. Yeah. But I couldn't get a publisher. Uh, I mean, I, I, have, I, have, I wrote to several publishers, and I even have a rejection slip from one of them still saying they don't see a, his, uh, they don't see a market for a history of video games at that oh time. Oh, my gosh. Can you, can you imagine such a time now, no. such a thing now? <laughs> Absolutely not. So that's when I discovered, well, there was a fanzine called the 2600 Connection. I was going to bring that up. Okay. I remember that, that fanzine. So mm -hmm. I wrote a letter to them. I mentioned my book. Yeah. And people were interested. Can you publish it? Uh -huh. So I said, well, how am I going to publish it? So I decided to do a photocopy version of it. 
you know, and I just went to the photocopy machine at work, folded it over, you know, two-sided, folded it, and I was going to sell that. <laughs> uh, so I printed 50 copies. Yeah. And then I started sending them to the different fanzines for review. One of the fanzines is run by a guy named Chris Johnson. And he mm. just got a job with a magazine called EGM2, which oh, was, yeah. EGM was the biggest, the largest video game magazine around at the time. It was a monthly magazine. And he decided to do this secondary magazine called EGM2, which mm. came out every two weeks. Mm. No, every month. Yeah. Within the two-week span of EGM. So it was like yeah. the magazine was coming out every two weeks. Yeah. Well, in the second issue of EGM2, Chris Johnson did a review of my book. And right. I was like, oh, this is great. I mean, yeah. Now I, I can't sell these photocopy books. <laughs> so then I discovered uh, self-publishing. Okay. So I invented this company called Rolenta Press. Uh, Ro is from my first son, Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Len is me, Lenny, and T is from my wife Tamar. So that was Lent Press. <laughs> That's great. And my poor son Gregory, who was born in 1996, he's not included in there. Well, I, I can't tell you how thankful I am for you blazing the trail with the video. Because <laughs> I remember being a kid, I was um, I was always interested in old video games and, the, and mm-hmm. their history. But I remember going to the library when I was 10 years old in the mid-90s. And there was nothing, nothing at all. Well, one of the problems yeah. that I learned was, you know, anyone can get a book published. It, this yeah. Distribution <laughs> is the problem. Yeah. So uh, I couldn't mm. get the book in bookstores. I mean, thanks for the review that Chris did. I was getting yeah. uh, orders. Uh, then video, uh, Electronic Gaming month, uh, Magazine came out. Electronic Games came out, which was... Uh, not the original electronic games, but Kunko and they were all involved in this mm-hmm. new version. And they did a full page review of the book. And it was catching on. Uh, Edge magazine did a review, uh, Next Generation. And mm-hmm. the book ca- became known after yeah. that. So yeah. I did a second edition in 19. I think I went over them all, didn't I? Did I? Uh, 19, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So but uh, yeah, I remember there being a book. This, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I, I remember there being a book like called Zap, The Rise and yeah, was that, that that's but that, but that was like contemporary. Yeah, yeah, it was the same the, thing as Game Over. Game Over right. came out a year before before my book, but that was a history of Nintendo. Yeah, right. My book it, was it the wasn't. first general yeah. history of video and, games, and it kind of came out later that like some some things were dubious and dub- dubious nature. And Zap and Zap it, has a poor reputation. Yeah, now, so. I remember because that's all I could get, <laughs> and even then, like you know, the, with the burgeoning internet, said ah, Zap's crap. <laughs> Just. There was nothing else. That's all I had. All I had to, to use to, to read about this stuff. So, so. Um, but then when I did the second edition, I said, "Should I look for a publisher?" And I said, "No, nah, I like doing it myself." Yeah. And then the third edition, I did the same thing. Yeah. But then with the fourth edition, I did want to get a publisher. I had a contract with a company, yeah. and uh, after a while, we didn't see eye to eye where the book was heading. I mean, mm. I sent them a third edition. They knew what they were getting, yeah. even though fourth edition is written completely from scratch. They knew the format, how it was going to be, but then they just said, well, we don't like this. Mm. And it was too late for me to change it, and I didn't agree with what they wanted. Yeah. So they broke the contract, thank God, because I couldn't get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I went to two publishers after that, and both were interested. Mm. Uh, the second one wanted to offer me a contract, but I didn't like their terms, and then I just decided to do it myself again. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I took, took a look at, I leafed through the book a little bit for the first time, mm-hmm. finally, <laughs> after knowing about it for 15 years or whatever. Uh, I'm going to buy myself a copy, finally. 
Uh, it is exhaustive. It is. <laughs> there's lots of pictures and everything. It's. It's. Uh, I, I. I can't wait to dig into it. I'm really? very excited. Uh, where can we find your? Because you have other books as well. If you want, if you want to go into those a little bit. Well, right now, the only other book I have. Well, I sell Ralph Bear's book. Ralph Bear right. wrote his autobiography. No, right. his biography. Uh, video games in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I published that. Mm-hmm. That's available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And uh, but any Amazon sales go through me, so I hand I handle all that. Okay. Uh, Phoenix, uh, like I said, it's a hardcover and a softcover. They're both available on Amazon. Okay. They're also available from my website, uh, www.relentopress.com. Mm-hmm. But frankly, it's probably cheaper from Amazon because you get free postage. No, yeah. And because right. this book is five pounds, it, 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 yeah. it costs a lot to, to yeah. for postage. Yeah. And then I came out with, uh, I, I, I used to write fiction. Yeah. So I said, what the hell? And I published a book of, of my, uh, my fiction. Why not? You already have your own publishing company at this point. <laughs> Go so for it. So that's available on Amazon, too. It's called yeah. uh, Unforgotten Fiction because they're stories I've never forgotten about. Ah, uh, okay. So, cool. So that's out there. Very good. And I'm also planning a new book, which I can't get into detail right yet. Uh, okay. This one, I'm, right. I'm, I'm marketing a publisher for this one because I don't want to okay. do it myself. Okay. So once well. we, a little further, I'll be able to announce that. But it's, it'll be my first new book in like 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, we're pretty excited about it. We, That's great. We think well, it's something people really uh, want. Well, I really look forward to that. I look forward to hearing more about that. Yeah, you will. Well, uh, th- thank you very much, Leonard. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I'm probably going to follow you back to your table so I can buy a copy. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm going to stop at Jersey Mike. Oh, he, he's going to get lunch or dinner, rather. <laughs> no, it's I'll, lunch. I'll, it's lunch. I'm going to go after he's done with the dinner or lunch, and then I'll buy a copy. So thank you very much. Hi, I'm uh, here at the Midwest Gaming Classic. I'm right outside the vendor hall, and uh, I am talking to... Jeffrey Wittenhagen. Hi, Jeffrey Wittenhagen. And uh, what do you do? What, 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 what do, you do I do? What do you do? What do I'm a madman. I do a little <laughs> bit of everything, man. Um, so I've been writing for uh-huh. about 20 years. Yeah. And within the last few, I've been publishing books. I have nine books published right now in retro gaming. Yes. So it started getting I, out of hand with the complete NES, yes. which says the Garbage Pail Kids artist did the cover for it. <laughs> and then since then, I've just been continually releasing books as I get time. And Yeah, I noticed you have quite a few here, a nice big thick compendiums of all yeah. this sorts of stuff. The one that you're looking at now is the yeah. NES Oddities and the Homebrew Revolution, where I did everything weird and wild Nintendo. That's great. Yeah. That's great. In fact, I'm kind of looking on, on the front here, and it kind of makes me think I have a, a, a hack called, like, Happy Princess or something like that. <laughs> Happy Princess yeah. hack? Nice. Yeah, I don't even know. I, so, I wouldn't know if it was in that book or not. So the art on this yeah. one, though, was yeah. done by a Disney artist who's actually here at the convention, Philo oh, Barnhart. Oh, Barnhart, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And so I told him, I was like, I want Mario looking freaked out on a television with some yeah. crazy hack-looking games. <laughs> so that's his concept, conceptualization <laughs> of a hack game. Of what a hack game would look like. <laughs> if, you, if, if you can't, for those at home who cannot see, it, it has a sort of Disney-ish princess on the front finding yeah. fruits and corks. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's like an ice cream cone and a candy and a scissors with eyes. So, so where did this madness start? Like, like what drove you to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write the compendium for the Nintendo. So what it started with was I was yeah. collecting and completing my NES like yeah. collection. Uh-huh. And there's been other books out there, but they didn't visually show what all the games look like. So in my complete NES book, it shows the box art. It shows the 
screenshot, and then it has the information release dates, publisher, developer, and then a quick synopsis. Okay. But I also put cart box manual checkboxes. Because every time I would come to conventions like MGC, ah. I would pick up the same manual that I already had six times. Brilliant. And I hate using my phone apps for that stuff. I always yeah. get it lost because I collect so many systems that yeah. it's hard to mm-hmm. keep track of. Yep, yep. And I of course it was a pocket guide that I wanted to do. And as you looked at my NS oddities, you realize it's like six pounds full yeah. hardcover. That's the size of a textbook. So oh, that's sure. what got popular right there was the giant books. Yeah, the, the, the coffee table coffee books. Coffee table books, exactly. Right, right. It's just, and the collectors are now collecting my books. Yeah, that's so, that's so like you look at the back so, of my back of my uh, business card. Actually, has the check boxes of my books. That's now. basically. So, so give us a list. What books have you done? Can you do it from memory? I'm gonna. Can hold I this do it from right. memory? All right, I'm gonna see. Okay, if you got so it. number one, uh, not on the card that you're looking at, it was published in Europe called Hidden Treasures. Okay. Which I am re-releasing as yeah. Hidden Gaming Gems, which is in the corner. Okay. So then number two was the complete NES. Uh-huh. That was the one that got crazy. I had Joe Simcoe as the cover artist. Okay. Then I went to the 1990 and 1991 Culture Chronicles. Okay. So that chron- that shows everything from each year that came out for those every system. Yeah. Then after that, I went to the complete SNES uh-huh. and Super Nintendo Compendium, both in the same yes. Kickstarter, which got crazy. And I re-released that as a variant cover with Ganon and Link on it, uh-huh. which is also on the card. Yep. Yep. It sure is. Exactly. All right. Uh, all right. Um, and then after that, I went over to the NES Oddities Nintendo Compendiums. That's so right. That's number seven and number eight. Wow, that's all of yeah. them there. Yeah, so, so, and number so nine, nine. So nine books. Number nine, nine is the done. definitive complete SNES where I added another 130 pages of Super Famicom games to the existing Super holy Nintendo book. Holy Moses. Holy it's Moses. 630-page book. So, Almost as big as Lenny the Len- yeah. Lenny the Legends book. Like, yeah. so so tell us a little bit about this NES audience. I mean, we've been over to the NES Compendium and the Superintendent. Like, what? It, what? Uh, yeah. Tell us more about what's in the NES Oddities and what we so, can see. So the one I was telling you about with the. Um, me yeah. collecting everything, right, for yeah. the Nintendo. Yeah. This is basically everything that's not licensed Nintendo. So you have your okay. unlicensed games, your bootlegs, Famicom mm-hmm. that don't require knowing Japanese to enjoy. That's good to know. As a new Famicom collector, yes. that's important. And whether you collect them yeah. or, and you notice I use the cartridges because the cartridge yeah. colors are amazing on the Famicom. Yes, they are. Yeah. That, my, I have a three Half year, of the reason. Uh, yeah, I have a three-year-old son, and he could not care less about the NES cartridges but he loves to leaf through my Famicom collection and yeah. stare at the, the exactly. cartridges. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. I did the same with Famicom Disc. And in the back, I have the Homebrew Revolution. So it's brand beautiful. new games for the Nintendo. This is a beautiful book. And literally, I went through and cataloged everything. And this is, doesn't exist anywhere because you literally have guys that are programming, sometimes in their basement, sometimes you know as a group collectively, yeah. and they release it all over the internet. So yeah. I went through... And then I went through and also and did all of the limited edition games and put about estimated how many exist. Okay. So at this convention, one of the guys that is programming released a four cartridge re- release of a new game. Okay. Here. Oh, here. So I got one wow. of them. So there's here. only like four or five, however many he makes for the convention at MGC. Yeah. And that's how crazy I went with the book. Now, obviously, since I published this, there's guys like that game that just came out. It's going to be a forever going yes. thing for the yeah. homebrew revolution. I, I anticipate edition two. 
Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I might just do the new NES games oh, aspect. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid oh, sure. the word homebrew, though, because it kind of gives it a basement connotation when yeah. there's guys like um, Retrotainment that are actually on the floor who did Haunted mm. Halloween. It's a That's a Nintendo game. Yeah. That would have been released in Toys R Us back in the day because it's amazing. Yeah, so for sure. that it's not homebrew. So yeah. you know what it, I mean. That, that's it's interesting tough. That, that there is that because it, I, I uh, grew up kind of following the Atari homebrew scene, yeah. and there is just sort of like, well, yeah, it's homebrew. You know, we just do this. But but mm-hmm. that's interesting that that there's sort of a connotation to it outside of, outside of that. Exactly, um, and there is. There's like because the, as the guys are getting better at programming, they don't like the word homebrew anymore. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Some other guys over here BSing him. His, his yeah. name is BA, and he's a heckler from Nintendo Age. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> he really is. He's, he's a heckler, one of my buddies. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah, that's great. I, I love leaping through this. Uh, if we can, uh, where would you point the audience to to check out your books? So, the main place you can go is to HagensAlley.com, okay. Cleon Hogan's Alley, my wife's great. idea, of course, yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. That's where all of my books are. I have a Shopify store, everything's there. Yeah. But the NES Oddities is also on Amazon. Oh, great. And soon to be in Barnes and Noble. Great. So, they'll wow. be able to find it everywhere. But I try to keep everything on my store and my in my website so if I have any back stock of books that are out of stock because like yeah. out of print like the complete NES is out of print yeah um, I, I'll put extras up on my store so that's the okay. best place to follow cool. and then when I release a new book so like hidden gaming gems I'm going to release it on Kickstarter I always do a Kickstarter crowdfunding and just to gauge how many people mm. are interested and I'll do as big of a print run as it raises money yeah because this is my hobby yeah believe it or not yeah. this is what I do for fun <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, you guys got to get this quick because uh, he told me earlier that, what, you brought four boxes of this stuff? Yeah, over here at MGC. Yeah. yeah it, it is nearly gone. Yeah, it is nearly gone so here. So please check it out. Uh, it's a great uh, illustration on the cover, of course, done by Philo Barnhart, like we said. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, a very detailed, uh, very thorough book. So please Absolutely. check that out. Thank check you Check it out where he said to. And uh, thank you for joining me on the, right. on the cast. Thank you. Hey everybody, we are back. Hey. We're we're back after our, our journey. It's the Friday afterwards. Mm-hmm. We've had some time to mull this over, to remember the wonderful memories that we made, and uh, the sights that we saw, and all days that. to rest off all the the driving miles and the, the, yes. and the walking steps and the walking steps mm-hmm. and all that stuff and the not yeah. eating enough and everything. It felt like I was just standing up for three days straight. <laughs> yeah, at the end of it, but. I I I didn't mind it during, but then afterwards, when you finally sit down, you're just like, oh my god, that's what I've been doing all day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the dogs were barking. Oh boy, the oh calves, boy, and their calves were mooing. That's right. So I thought we could start off with uh, what do we think of this year's Midwest Gaming Classic? How do we feel about it? Yeah, new so location. This is, yeah, the new location's a big thing, um, and uh, you know we we had a healthy amount of trepidation just because we've grown attached to the Sheridan, uh, the uh, Brookfield Sheridan, yeah. and um, yeah, it was different. I I guess for the most part it was. Did you feel like it was well organized within that big space, or I it was... think it was well organized? Yeah, it, it felt a little. Um, I, I, I guess when you're in the Brookfield, you know, the Brookfield, everything was just in this this hotel. Yeah, and because everything was so close together, it felt like it was just oozing out of every pore yeah. in the building. But now with such a big convention center, 
Mm. It f- it felt a little sparser, even though I know that's not true. Yeah, because every everybody else that was there before was there this time. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I guess that's a good thing. Room to grow. Yeah, yeah, even that, bigger if they. That's the thing. To. Yeah, because we. I mean, there, there's thing. There's certainly things about uh, having it at the Brookfield that I made. There was somebody I was talking to. Um, it was one of the vendor, the vendor who uh, sells the 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 sticker decals of which I have one on my car. And last oh, yeah. year was selling the Make Konami Great Again hats. <laughs> yes, that, I was talking to that guy a little bit, and he said that he kind of misses the Brookfield uh, Sheridan because it all it just felt like a big house party, right? Which is right. true. Um, and there's, uh, yeah, yeah, everything is just around the corner from another thing back there, and it just kind of felt of the, you know, we, we talked about this last time, what, what we, there's a lot of things we like about it, how that location kind of endeared itself to us, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, if it outgrows the location, what can you do? I mean, right. it's, it's, so it's, it kind of feels a little bit more like a standard convention as opposed to, like, the, you know, the unique feel that it had before, um, but yeah, so there's disadvantages and advantages to it, but ultimately it's like, yeah, it, it just, it needs to grow. So it needs to go to a bigger, bigger place. Um, yeah, everything was overall pretty well organized. I feel like they I got, did, they yeah, tried I to get so. stuff kind of as close as they could. Yeah. And, uh, but it was still a little bit like if you had to go from one, like the main arcade to like the Galloping Ghost Arcade, it was just, yeah. a, you know, a little bit of a walk down the hall. So yeah, it was different. Uh, so yeah, missed the Sheridan, but I mean, it's it's going to be different going forward. So it is yeah, what it is. I, I mean, I think we'll see what happens when they do it next year. I mean, for the first year at a new venue, I think they did pretty darn well. Uh, everything yeah. was very organized. You know, if you keep if you keep in mind, this is your first year at a new location. Mm-hmm. Everything went very well. There were very few hiccups. Yeah, yeah. There's only like one instance of like there being some like disorganization with like a, the line and opening opening yeah. day on Saturday and everything. But, but it only took us like what ten to fifteen minutes to get inside. Yeah, yeah. It was it, there was a little bit of yeah. Other than that, that it was yeah. It, it was yeah. Especially for the first year there. Good point. It was it was very well handled. Um, okay. it, you know, I'll say something. I'll, I'll say something that was really nice about the bigger space was in the vendor area because yeah. in in the years past the vendor area would be in a tent yes which was okay mm-hmm. when the weather was nice but yeah. when it wasn't i mean you'd have to have you'd see people like putting plastic tarps around their stuff in order yeah. to keep it from <laughs> from getting wet that's that's kind of sucks yeah uh, you also because the tent could only be so big because it was in the parking lot mm-hmm. there was a lot of crowding and so sometimes yeah. it was really hard to get around in the vendor area, and sometimes you yeah. kind of feel like you were gasping for air. Mm-hmm. Not so this time. True, there was lots of space for everybody to move around. It was it was the... filled up, like it didn't feel sparse, but it also yeah, it was roomier to it was comfortable. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was very comfortable. Um, same thing with the arcade. The arcade didn't feel quite as squished. Yeah. There was uh, there was totally there's room for more machines. Next yeah. Year. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and they had uh, the whole console. There was room enough in there for Billy Mitchell's ego, so it was pretty damn spacious. <laughs> hey, oh, boy. <laughs> Which was a surprise. Um, I don't know if we'll get into that an hour later, but oh, it was well, a surprise Let's, let's get out just a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I mentioned the games. Um, we're done talking about the... We're done. We're, we're done talking about the, the review of the con. Right. Oh, wait. How'd you like our hotel? Hotel was really nice. Um, I know you might you are somewhat passionate about hotels. I I've am. discovered so. <laughs> I, I love for me it was like hotels. it was good. I uh, yeah one afternoon I uh, uh, 
I w- went over, used the uh, fitness room for a bit, which was a night was was nice, a pretty nice you know, little facility, and uh, I just took took a short short break from the con on uh, Saturday. Went and did that, and took a shower, and uh, yeah, it was it was nice. I, you might have more to say about the hotel. No, oh, I thought I thought it was nice. I thought it was yeah. kind of neat that we were on like the fifteenth floor. You know, I, yeah, I never. Yeah. Stayed in a hotel room. It was quite up so high. Um, yeah. So that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, digs were nice. Mm-hmm. I, I found out that we got quite a discount having, you yes, know, yeah, being a, big a part discount. of the Midwest Gaming Classic Block, yeah, hotel block of rooms. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was nice. Anyway, we we finished up talking about the arcade. What uh, what games did did we play? What, what did we uh, go? What, what were some memorable game playing experiences for you this time around? I have two. I played a lot of things. You know, um, I played my standard like Star Wars trilogy arcade, which was great. And uh, Defender is another favorite. Mm. Actually, no, the Defender machine wasn't running. Come to think of it, it was there. I never saw it on. Um, uh, I wanted to play Defender, but uh, Arkanoid. Yeah. Um, no Spy Hunter. There was a Spy Hunter pinball machine and um, some Spy Hunter similar kind of drive and shooting games yeah. and stuff like that. Road so, Blasters, right? Yeah. So th- there were some mainstays like that, but there were two um, two main takeaways for me when it came to the games I played. The mm. first were light gun games. I yes. um, was kind of reminded playing stuff like House of the Dead and um, Time Crisis in the it wasn't the arcade. It was in like the console setup area near the. Uh, the, the the museum kind of history of consoles area, I was reminded of how much I used to play Time uh, time Crisis specifically, but overall light gun games growing up, and I got pretty good at them back in the day, and I do seem to have something of a knack for them, so I'm, I'm kind of like reinvigorated in, in uh, doing that. I want to um, find my old tube TV and kind of get some Time Crisis and some other things going on there. I actually picked up a... a, a time crisis for ps1 project titan box with the with the gun con with it uh so i'm gonna be kind of following up on that old interest of mine i i I totally forgot that i used to play a lot of those games so that was one thing uh a reinvigorated interest in light gun games also i've uh it's been cemented for me how bad i am at pinball that's something (laughs) i have no no bit of a knack for i'm just bad at pinball games yeah so that's that's so that's i would i kept trying i kept coming back whenever that shadow machine was open which was not often go back to that and spy hunter and whatever else it's yeah i'm just not good at pinball (laughs) (laughs) oh man did you not did you not play a lot of video pinball growing up or anything like that uh video game facsimiles not really, no. Okay. I mean, I played regular pinball here and there because you know arcades were still a, were still around when yeah. I was growing up uh, in the mid '90s. But yep, good at light guns, bad at pinball. What about yeah. you? Boy, you were good at light guns. We played a little bit of Point Blank. Oh Is yeah, that yeah, that's it? right. And we played a little bit of that side by side, and uh, I. Well, it wasn't hacking it. <laughs> I, I got my butt kicked. But you are very good at pinball. By Mr. Zelensky. I'm not very good at pinball. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. I, I know my way around a machine. Yeah. I know how to pass from flipper to flipper. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't do that. And I know how to... I, I, I've kind of got a feel on nudging. So I could do yeah, that. Yeah, I was just starting to dabble around with that a little bit, but still not, not yeah. very good. You just got to kind of learn like what shots are the least risky and yeah. kind of like how the momentum of the ball, how it rolls down the flipper, and at what point to hit it yeah. so it goes up at the right time. Yeah, yeah. But I do so, love pinball. Yeah. I got to play, if I may, 
Yeah, of course. No, thank you. I did get to play quite a few pinball machines. I got to play all my electromechanical pinball games That's that right. I love so much, including Aztec, my absolute favorite game. Mm-hmm. And I, every time I was able to get on that machine, I played like five games mm-hmm. before I let anyone else in on it. <laughs> Just because it's like my only time of year I get to play that machine. Yeah. Unless it's like on the computer. Yeah. Um, so I played that. There were a couple other really fun ones. Fun old electromechanical games that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, notably, uh, Fireball is a lot of fun. There was one, I forget the name of it, but it had a little roulette feature that when you hit oh. a certain target, it would play the roulette with your with your pinball. That was oh, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. That was pretty fun. And there was a couple other ones, uh, like Centigrade 38 or something like that. Huh. Uh, I don't know. There, there was just a lot of... Uh, fun electromechanic machines that I got to play. Yeah. Uh, the museum was a lot of fun, too, just kind of getting to cruise around. Yes. Seeing computers that uh, I like to see, but I don't mm-hmm. care to own. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, just because I don't have the space. And yeah. I would probably only take it out, like, once every other year anyways. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, you get to see things like a video brain. Uh, I, we got mm-hmm. to see in the guy uh, games, Guy's Beer, or whatever yeah. they're called, they had an... Antex Super Cassette Vision, which I had never seen before, <laughs> which was an early Japanese console in the 80s that oh. also has a Dragon Ball game for it, which is really weird. Oh. Uh, and they had their their Vectrix, their custom Vectrix machine. Oh, yes, they had a great. custom Vectrix we got to play. Yeah. Uh, that had the, in an arcade cabinet. In, in an arcade cabinet. Two custom Vectrixes. Yes, There was yeah. one that did color, yeah. which was weird, and I don't quite know how that worked. <laughs> and then there was another one that was just a they just rigged up a 19-inch vector monitor yeah. and had overlays on it that you could scroll through. Yeah. Like, uh, like they, they had them on these pin rollers. Right, that you yeah. Could, you could scroll through it, which was pretty rad. Yeah. So I played a lot of that, and I had played some PC Engine towards the end. Trooper yeah. Graphics 16. We got to get our Wizard of War in a little oh, bit. Oh, boy, Only did one we. game, yeah. though. Only one game. Because the it free wasn't, play wasn't really... Right. So they, so they had to have some guy, like, open it up and, like, yeah. uh, flick the coin trigger a bunch to, to get it to yeah. get more credits. Mm-hmm. Which is too bad. But good thing I own Wizard of War in, like, five different systems. Yeah. <laughs> so I could keep playing it at home. But still not quite the same as, you know, when you play it in the arcade and it has the voice samples. Yeah. You know, like, I'll put you in the oven. Definitely. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Yeah, all that kind of fun stuff. Let's talk about uh, panels we saw. Panels we saw. I saw. Here, let me tell you everything I know about panels. I saw. That's it. That's my error. That's a Sean. Cor- <laughs> that's for you, Sean Courtney. Sean Cor- let me tell you how much everything. I care about that. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I just told you. So uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go to any panels. Is the thing. Not that I don't care about them. But you went yeah, to a couple. What did you see? I did. See? I went to the Retronauts panel, which was really cool. It was great to see. They had. Uh, of course, Bob Mackey and Jeremy Parrish were on there, but also Dilly. Kevin Bunch of uh, Atari Archives mm-hmm. and Marty Goldberg, Goldberg Marty mm-hmm. Goldberg, who wrote a couple of these uh, big Atari history books that I still haven't read yet. I want mm-hmm. to, want to buy them, should buy them. Yeah. Um, they are tomes. They are big, thick books on the history of Atari, but they were there to talk about, you know, did Atari get a raw deal in the mid 80s? When the crash happened and In Nintendo stole their thunder, seventy eight hundred yeah. particularly, and that was a great panel. Yeah. Um, it's always nice to see people kind of repping Atari, tr- trying to trying to rehabilitate that image. Mm-hmm. There's 
some there, there's a theory in video games that drives me crazy, and I hate it when people try to try to bring forth this theory. But the idea that like Atari games aren't fun to go back to, and they haven't aged well, and and mm-hmm. that that era of video gaming is best best is best left behind. Mm. And it's like, no, no, that's so wrong. It's not that's true at all. Su- that's such a wrong yeah. idea. There are so many Atari games that are you can pick up and play, and they and they play just as well today as they did. Oh, for sure. For back sure. then, you tell me you can't pick up Pong or Kaboom or Stampede and or oh, Space yeah. Invaders and have fun with it. I mean, those are just inherently playable. Yeah, I mean, people will say, you know, like, well, the depth's not there, and it's like, well. Yeah, if you want adventure, you know, out, you know, fifteen-hour-long adventure games, for. twenty hours, then yeah, you're not going to find that. But if you want like sharp arcade experiences, and if you're looking to progress and master a game and yeah. and get to a high score, there's that's something people have been going back and forth with for decades. Yeah, right. That's a totally legitimate thing to want to. I mean, geez, Resogun, you know, the recent game yeah. like takes all its cues from that. Yeah, it's yeah, next gen defender. I love yeah. Resogun. Yeah. So yeah, sure. yeah. But anyway, but it was nice to, to see that happen. Um and just to, you know, see this Tri seventy hundred get a fair shake. Uh, yeah, yeah. I also learned some things too. I won't go too deep into it because uh well you could just listen to the podcast that they recorded. That's right. Um I also saw the Watch Out for Fireballs panel, yeah. which was which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um they were talking about Donkey Kong ninety four, which is one of my favorites. And uh, and uh, Gary Butterfield was very funny as usual. And, mm-hmm. You know, he had people kind of calling out, which in in the middle of it, because it was there weren't, weren't very many people there, but there was somebody who just felt the need to uh, to offer their own opinion <laughs> during the panel. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. And uh, talking about because Gary was talking about how Donkey Kong Jr. was his favorite game, his favorite Donkey Kong game out of yeah. any of them. And someone just opined, like, well, they don't like the jumping mechanic, the jumping mechanic. And he's like, well, he's in a diaper. And you could jump really well in a diaper, right? <laughs> <laughs> just, like, goofing on that. It's like, oh, it's great. What, what a what a gracious way to handle that. Um, so I, I saw those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, let me talk about some of the people that we saw. We yeah, saw so people. you – I saw a little bit of – I mean, we both – uh, you know, we we got to see the Pie Factory guys again, Jimmy yes, and, we did. and Sean, and uh, we got to see the Retronauts again. But you actually, you know, talked to them more, and you and Bob Mackey got drunk together at the yes. arcade. <laughs> yes. yes, we did. Um, but uh, yeah, we we got to talk for a while about uh, you know old cartoons, which yeah. is always a joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not many people like in talk to about Rod Scribner <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and uh, it's one of the few opportunities I get to do that. Yeah. Well, I got to talk, that meetup was a lot of fun. I got to talk mm-hmm. to Kevin Bunch. I got to talk to, to Caitlin. I got to, Oh, I, I met, uh, I, I met these, a uh, couple of guys, Trey and Jer mm-hmm. who do a podcast called Nintendo main. Mm-hmm. Cool. And that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to talk to them, get to know them. It's a cool bar too. Yeah, it was. Nineteen eighty three was the place. Yep. real cool, real fun. Enthusiastic owner is behind the bar all night. Um, a good selection of arcade machines. They had yeah. Star Wars trilogy. They had Arkanoid. Yes, um, they did. And uh, Joust and House of the Dead. Yeah, good, a real good selection. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a cool place. And they had a sour. They had a sour ale, which <laughs> is my thing. And it's 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 hit or miss whether or not you're gonna be able to find one. They had a sour IPA. Which tasted more of a sour than an IPA, which is good for me. Uh, yeah. So that was great. And they had a very functional Donkey Kong machine. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I find that half the time when you go, well, not half the time, most of the time when you go up to a Donkey Kong machine, like the joystick only half works mm. and the button's been pushed in and it's, you know, kind of worn around, worn. Yeah. 
but the one they had in 1983 worked perfectly, and yeah. it was a joy to play on. Right. Uh, I commend them for that. Yeah, yeah, real good uh, place. Let me see the other people we we met. Oh, and the watch out for fireballs. Guys were there as well. Yeah, I got yeah. to talk with them a little bit. Saw them coming really and going, and yeah, I got to uh, I got to compliment Gary on his. Uh, his his wonderful puns. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So so we got to do that. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also the I guess the elephant in the room. Of course, was that Billy Mitchell was there. Yes, <laughs> I, I didn't know. Believe. I didn't know he was gonna planning on being there. A B would have still like had the stones to show himself because this was just this was like a day or two yeah. after he was you know him and Twin Galaxies were. <laughs> So it was uh that was that was crazy that was surreal oh, yeah. seeing him standing there next to like next to us basically waiting to get into the on yeah. the VIP night yeah so that was really weird and we were kind of like you know twistering away about that and posting some videos of us kind of like stalking <laughs> him <laughs> Leech, like, leaching around like, 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 oh, he's over there yeah good to take a picture so that was very is there any additional context to kind of what he was doing there didn't he wasn't he trying to kind of vindicate himself kind of there's a statement that you can see on YouTube it's like a minute and a half long or something I didn't look into what what did he actually say something about like uh, didn't he claim to have wish, proof that he I didn't wish cheat? you have I, I have we're working to get the uh, the evidence due to it's just a big word salad man yeah. like there, he doesn't really say anything <laughs> I mean, the evidence, if you've looked on it on the Donkey Kong forums or whatever, it's very, it's obvious he used MAME. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if he even played it. Who's <laughs> to know? Like, I, I I wouldn't, Todd Rogers was a guy who, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was, was a guy who uh, was in the conspiracy cahoots with him to, yeah, yeah. to get the thing passed. And he has been guilty of all kinds of shenanigans. So who mm. knows yeah. what they did to make to make that fake video but crazy though it was crazy clearly time, clearly mean but that. but i remember we were waiting in line to go that and i just kind of nudged over he was like that's billy Mitchell. <laughs> like what on earth like, like there's no mistaking him there's, yeah. there's not gonna be another guy that looks like that no, <laughs> nobody would choose to look like that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah except uh, for peter dinklage's character in the pixels movie right then they paid him for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was weird yeah uh, that was very weird he was still getting people like autographs and taking pictures with him so there are some people that either didn't know or didn't care or whatever did, or, had their own... or it's just like i mean there's no one else in the world that quite like him yeah. so i yeah, could yep. i could understand if you just like look at this dude yeah take a picture <laughs> with him um i i wouldn't normally bash someone like this on a on, like publicly on a podcast but uh-huh. that dude cheated and he sucks yeah. so <laughs> i'll do it understandable yeah of course what's next uh what's next Star. is what did we pick up what did we pick up what'd you get nate i got i i will tell you this year i only bought five game cartridges mm. totaling twenty dollars wow. i got two no less than twenty dollars fifteen dollars because I bought Crikey, two man. Famicom cartridges, Load Runner and Spartan X, otherwise known as Kung Fu mm-hmm. here in the States. I uh, picked those up for $5, for $5 for the both Great. of them. And then I picked up three, uh, three TI-99 cartridges. Mm. There was some other stuff there. I found like a lot of the video games were very overpriced. Yeah. That I could have found cheaper on eBay, which is yeah, saying yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's part of the thing with uh yeah, it's just a little disappointing. Uh, I saw th- they had my dream Pong console there. The really, a- the APF TV Fun. Oh, okay. And 
he wanted $75 for it. I'm just like, that's not happening, man. Yeah. That's, that is not happening. Mm. I can get, I can get it right now for $40 on eBay. Like, mm. why would I spend $75 to do that year? Yeah. Um, but I did something I, I did instead this time around was I bought a lot of books and I bought t-shirts mm. and that was really fun to get to do because most of the time the authors are there. The oh, artists yeah. are there. Yeah. So we got to, say, talk to Rusty Shackles, who oh, did Rusty a lot of Shackles. art there, which yeah. I'm sure you'll be able to talk more about. Well, yeah. I bought, uh, so I got, like, the Hardcore Gaming 101 guide on Konami shooters, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and I got Phoenix, Phoenix mm-hmm. 4, which is a pretty much the first book on, uh, on, on video game history, oh. which you will have heard an interview from him earlier in the show. Yay. Leonard Herman, or Lenny, him. as he preferred I called him, I call him. <laughs> Uh, so I got to talk to, so I, I got that from him. I got it autographed. I got uh, a zine from the Retronauts. I got a mm. Retronauts t-shirt. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think if I got anything else. I, I know I picked up a couple other little things here and there. Mm-hmm. But those those are the ones that immediately spring to mind. Oh, a box of blank discs for my, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yay. Woo, double-sided <laughs> double density. <laughs> uh, I picked those up. Uh, other than that, I, I, I think that's pretty much it. I so what did you pick got up? Got some stuff. I got well. F- first thing, first day, I walk in. I see a a, a bag of like a messenger bag from PlayStation Underground. Which oh, uh, for boy. those of you who know that that was the like subscription service for in the PlayStation One and a little bit in the play, PlayStation Two days. You'd have the Underground Jam Pack demo discs and everything, and that was cool. I mean, if you know Seth Zielinski, you know he love one yeah. loves his messenger bags, and two loves his old school PlayStation stuff. So, so two of those things together is just it's a given. You can't you, you keep buy me it. away on that. <laughs> no. And uh, I actually got a, a couple. I've been starting to miscellaneous pick up here and there the actual old demo discs, the jam packs, because I used to play those a lot, and they're really just mm-hmm. kind of interesting history for me. I'm I'm kind of really drilling into the the PS one era in terms of what I'm picking up. Uh, and I also yeah there there was um. There was a PlayStation 2 sign that somebody had that they were surprised I was interested in, but it was, it was just like some vinyl sign, but it was yeah. like it looked like an older one from, from back in the day. Were you able to put it up got somewhere that? yet? Not yet, no. Okay. Um, I have that, and I'll be... I got some art from Mr. Rusty Shackles, which yes. I'll be picking up. That guy, I loved his work so much. Um, I got some stuff for my brother, actually, some like Mario and Sonic stuff, but for mm-hmm. me, I got the... Um, for those who don't know, Rusty Shackles is, a, is an artist. He does... He, there, he was selling uh, art that was mainly either like re-illustrated versions of old video game covers or uh, old comic book covers that have been like redrawn to be based on video game characters. So I got uh, a, a, like a Mega Man thing that was based on a Spider-Man cover that, uh, an old Spider-Man cover that had the Sinister Six on it. So I had yeah. the original six Robot Masters from Mega Man 1 on it. There was a, a Metal Gear Solid thing that was based on an old G.I. Joe comic and um, another Metal Gear one that was that had Big Boss and it was, it was based on a, a Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker and uh, that was based on an old uh, Nick Fury cover. Mm-hmm. So awesome stuff. Rusty Shackles, I loved his stuff. Uh, yeah, that was great. So I'll be putting that stuff up. He's great to talk to, too. He is a really nice guy. Yeah, really I think nice he, guy. Apparently he used to work for 1UP and he's yeah. he's kind of had some... He knows like Jeremy Parrish, and yeah, uh, he's kind of worked with yeah. So yeah, he's, he's been around. Yeah, talk a little bit about yeah. uh, old one-up days. Yeah, yeah. Of, uh, these these bygone days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I picked up uh, an old uh, novelization of the first Mortal Kombat game, which I've never seen that book before. <laughs> I didn't know it existed. 
But look you know, forward to a review on this very podcast. It's that's, a book report. That's a slight possibility, but not a likely <laughs> one. And uh, like I said before, I got the uh, Time Crisis, Crisis Project Titan for PS1 boxed with the Gun Con. And uh, might be a couple other things I'm forgetting. But uh, lastly, I got a non-video game related thing. I got an old Star Wars micro collection TIE fighter um, before the micro machines in the no- oh, 90s yeah. play sets. They're in the early 80s. uh uh, um, Hasbro uh, did, or no, Kenner did uh, a short-lived run of kind of the, like the prototypes to the micro collection to the micro machines, which was called the micro collection, and it was all like die-cast metal figures. They're non-posable on these playsets. They 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 had Hoth playsets. They had mm-hmm. Bespin. They had the Death Star, uh, and they they were going to have some. Uh, uh, some return of the Jedi based stuff, but the line was canceled, but I've always found it to be a really cool. I love, I love little play sets like that. And whenever I come across those, you don't see them too often, the micro collection stuff. And, uh, this guy had the tie fighter, which had this cool function where you, where you could like, you have this like battle damage thing where it could break apart and you can put it yeah. back together. And, uh, I found that in the box, uh, everything inside the box is still factory sealed. And, uh, he gave me a really good deal on it. Overall, this was the first time I've ever been to a con like this where I was trying to talk people down. Oh yeah. Say, oh, would you take it for this? And, you know, yeah, some of successful, especially since I didn't, uh, start really buying stuff until the last day, and people were a little more willing to wheel yeah. and deal on on Sunday. So yeah, it was a good haul. I'm I'm really glad with what I got. Yeah. Oh, I'm remembering a couple other things I got. I also got a cool Pac-Man pint glass. Oh yeah, which this, is really this cool. one vendor had a bunch of retro Pac-Man. Oh yeah, very like cool, like old Pac-Man lunch boxes based off of the cartoon and yeah. all kinds. Yeah, of it was stuff all like, like all like late seventies, early eighties stuff. TV trays. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I got that, and then I also. It, Earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that my son has been really into Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, oh, so right, I found right, right. a lot of old Ninja Turtles. Well, that that was at um, in Chicago, and well, in, in there the... I bought the one, which oh, we did okay. talk about those purchases. Right, we oh but, of course we did. Yeah, but um, I also bought more at the at the con. There's a guy who just you know had a couple tubs of them, so I bought. Oh, okay. I found Metalhead. I found mm-hmm. Muckman. Uh-huh. And which he loves Muckman for some reason. <laughs> My three year old adores Muckman. He likes Muckman. the misfits, like Slash. He really and, does. Yeah. Slash, uh, monkey brains, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and I also found Rocksteady, which, cool. you know, very that's, cool. Um, classic. A classic, yeah. yeah. So he was thrilled to receive those when I came back. He was so, so happy that he finally rounded out his villains and, and, and misfits of the collection. His rogues so, gallery. Beautiful. Yes, his rogues gallery. So he's been having a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. with that. It's, it was really fun to give that to him. He's very excited. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that wraps up everything that we got. I think that wraps up a lot of our... It wraps so, up so, our wrap-up. It wraps up our wrap-up. Does it now? How yeah. do you feel about next year? Um, next year, I... I'm curious to see what they'll try to change in terms of the facility goes, if they'll move around any locations or anything. I mean, I just hope that overall, I just, I guess what they've got going on in, in the, in the, in the convention center is good. I just hope that there's more, more stuff, more vendors, more arcade Mm -hmm. machines, more different kinds of like offshoot, uh, people there, you know, cause you had a, yeah, a couple like tertiary arcades and like the pinball guys and the guys games and beer and all this stuff. More kind of miscellaneous stuff like that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just uh, just growth within the existing space, I guess, is what I'm looking to see. What about you? That's pretty much the same. I'd like to see if they can rearrange things so 
they're not quite so far apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see if maybe you can, because th- there's those big empty halls too. You know, mm-hmm. where whereas in back in the Sheridan, you know, you, everything was was had a there. There was no open space. Everything was <laughs> taken up by something retro, yeah. <laughs> old, cool. Yeah, uh, I would like to see more uh, use made of that space. Uh-huh. That, that would I would really like to see that. It was tough because there were like some kind of exams going on in the area. Yeah, like on the like, same like right floor. The so there was something? an area we couldn't cross through because there were exams in progress. Or whatever weird. that was, hopefully they can work around that next year. Yeah, right. Or like that CypherCon thing. You remember that we were watching? Yeah, there, like, what is this? There's like a DJ packing up his stuff and just like, what's going on? Yeah, we just miss CypherCon. We we did miss CypherCon. I'm yeah. sorry, we don't we can't report on that. <laughs> um, I, I think next year I really want to try to get uh, my wife Katie to come along. I say yeah, my, yeah. my wife Katie because some of you might know who I'm talking about when I say Katie. Yeah. My wife Katie, I would yeah. like to get her to come along because that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Just to see, you know, her in that environment. She'd probably just play pinball all day and then yeah. have like margaritas at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, I don't know if my out. wife Emily would be, would kind of have enough interest in what was going on to be there the entire weekend. Although we, we do have some friends that probably would. Oh, yeah, for sure. Such as, such, we gonna such try as to Mr. Get to, Parks. Such as Mr. Parks. Mr. Parks. Mr. Yeah. Parks. Uh, Ferndeck, if you listen to this, maybe yeah. we try to get you roped into this. Yeah. Uh, Liggett. That'd be cool. Liggett. 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 Come on. Um, so, we'll yeah, I, I, happens, I would love so. to get rope some more some yeah. more folks into the two. And, and the nice thing, though, is about the con is that, you know, especially in regards to our wives who might not find quite as much to, to do the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's connected to the hotel. So if they just wanted yeah. to go back and chill, or if they wanted to, I don't know, go see the historical sites in Milwaukee, go perhaps, take a, a, a tour at Pabst. Yeah, uh, you know, they could do that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm already looking forward to next year. I'm already planning in my brain. <laughs> I know. I'm already planning in my brain. Just funny, like for the first few hours when I when we came back, it's like, oh man, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to. Think about it again, and then, like, you know, a day goes past, like, I, I want to go back. I don't want it to happen again. So, but anyway, this has been our Midwest Gaming Classic Extravaganza. Our Odyssey. Yes. Our Magnum this, Odyssey. This, this whole Magnum Odyssey, Magnum Opus. Yes. Uh, Kudoi, anything you want to think of like that. Yeah. So, thanks for listening once again. Yes, thank you. Hopefully we'll be doing this again and reporting back to you on cool stuff and have some more cool interviews for you next year. In the meantime, check in here in the space in a couple of weeks and we'll have another podcast on some random topic for you. Don't know what that's mm-hmm. going to be yet. Haven't thought that far ahead. Should have, though. Anyways, <laughs> thanks a that's lot. That's a perfect log line right there. Yep. Outro. Yep. Yes. It's a podcast. Sure is. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for listening. We love Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Well, like I just said, that about wraps it up for this edition of the Memory Machine and this edition of the Midwest Gaming Classic 2018. Something we failed to mention there in wrapping up just now with Zelensky were our Twitter handles. I'm at Nate underscore Lockhart and Mr. Seth Zelensky as at Cap Americanski. Also, for um, all the interviews and, and stuff, I'll be putting up notes in, uh, in uh, on, the, on the show article. If you go to memorymachinepod.com and click on the article for the show, uh, you'll see all the notes for everybody I interviewed, links, Twitter, social media, all that kind of jazz. So once again, thanks so much for listening. Come back here in a couple weeks. Love you. Bye. Beer from Milwaukee The very best in town. It makes you so tall
Chuckle up and turn it dry And raise your spirits to 